This is a WTOP original podcast. Welcome to another episode of The Vine Guy, a WTOP news podcast. I am your host, Scott Greenberg. And in this episode, I have the wonderful pleasure of welcoming Ian Cobble to the podcast. Now, Ian is the founder of Psalm Select, an online wine shop and subscription service. He's only one of 269 master sommeliers in the world. I actually think more people have been to space than there are master sommeliers, but we'll get into that in a moment. He has worked at wineries and restaurants all over the world, honing his skills that have led him to be named best young sommelier in the world and top psalm. Of course, you probably recognize Ian as his journey to become a master sommelier in 2012 was chronicled in the documentary film Psalm, one of my favorites. Today, Ian serves as the chief wine officer at Psalm Select, overseeing the company's selection of world-class wines. Egan, it is such a pleasure to have you here on the podcast. Oh, yeah, thank, man. You. thank you so much for joining right on. me. Wow. It, here you are, like I would say in person, but we're you know doing this virtually. But really, I wish we were doing this in person. It's just such a pleasure to meet you. I know Cheers. I'm gushing a little bit. I guess I'm a little starstruck here. But I got to start off asking you a question I ask just about everybody I meet in the Psalm world. What was the wine that gave you the epiphany that said, you know, this is what I want to do, that aha moment? You know what? Uh, There was a lot that led up to it, but I was 24 years old and I was working at the Wine Merchant of Beverly Hills off Little Santa Monica and Rodeo Drive. And my boss asked me to go open a bottle of Mucini. So it was Mucini Grand Cru Rumier 1990. So this was a bottle that I opened in 2004. And it was, so it was a 14 year old bottle of Mucini, which as you know, like Shamble Mucini at 15 years oh, old, yeah. it starts to hit that point of just perfection. And I swear I got those really big riedels that are hand blown that have the lip on the finish. And, and I didn't really know what a sommelier really was at that point. And I didn't really know that I was doing that job, but my boss would ask me to go prepare the glasses and pull the cork. And I remember tasting the wine before I brought it to the table and I put my nose in the glass and the, the hairs on my arm stood up and I, and I, and I like, I got emotional for a second because I knew that I loved wine and that was my passion. I'd been to Chile on trips, but I had no idea that the aromatic complexity and density and just everything about the wine was literally, it's like listening to the greatest song you've ever heard on the best speakers. Like there's something about that aha moment that really, like really resonated in my soul. And from that point on, I knew that I just, I I was chasing the dragon at that point. You know, you're, you're after that best experience and you're willing to spend all of your money to get it because anybody who's listening to this, that's drinking great Burgundy white or red, that's kind of, that's the end goal. And that's why you work your tail off so you can have a good glass of Burgundy and enlighten your senses and, and, and increase the quality of that moment in your life. You know, it's interesting. Every single song I've ever asked that question to knew immediately could point immediately to that aha moment wine. <laughs> and, wow, I, you, you did too, man. You went right in on it. Now, what? you know, you talk about Burgundy, and it is interesting that a lot of Psalms actually, Burgundy is their gateway drug, for it lack is. of a better word. Yeah. For me, it happened to be a, an 81 Bocastel. 
So I, I you know went what? to Southern Roan. Those are very Burgundian in style. So I think, you know, both of us know that there's, those Beaucastels are singular. They're not like all the others down in Chateauneuf. And for me, Beaucastel is one of my all-time favorites. So I'm not surprised that 81 Beaucastel was, was, was it for you. Yep. And it still is to this day. Well, maybe not the 81, but, you know, Beaucastel in general. All right. So we know the wine that did it for you, but how did you actually get started in, in your pathway to becoming a sommelier? So I'll start by saying, you know, I, I grew up in Huntington Beach. I grew up, you know, with, oh, cool. a, with a surfboard in my hand. And, you know, in the afternoons I was usually on a tennis court. So tennis and surfing was pretty much my life. And I ended up playing tennis for Sonoma State University. And during that time, I was teaching tennis on the side and taking a lot of classes. I was studying Spanish and wine business. Actually, I was taking, I was, I was on the tennis team. I was taking Spanish courses and business courses. And during that time, I kind of saw that the wine business program could help me get electives towards my business and my Spanish degree by going to Chile for 25 days, eating and drinking. So I ended up on a plane. I went to Chile and I was just completely blown away by the whole world of food and wine, that the right dish with the right food, Sauvignon Blanc with artichoke, Cabernet Sauvignon with braised beef, all of these things um, kind of made me realize that this is what I wanted to do with my life. So I got back and I took some more courses with wine business, ended up getting a, a degree in you know, Spanish and wine business, international wine business. And then uh, at that point, I got a job for $2 an hour working at the oldest uh, Portuguese porthouse in the Dora Valley in Portugal. So I went and I got on a plane to Lisbon, took a train up to the Dora Valley, got picked up by a guy named Jerry Looper, who was a very famous winemaker, worked for Fremark Abbey in uh, Chateau Montalena. And he was kind of half retired working for Royal Oporto, um, where I worked. And I just started doing pump overs, learning how to use pumps and you know, kind of uh, the arrival of the grapes and we were doing distemming by machine. And I basically just learned how to make wine uh, from Jerry Looper and took off around North Africa, Europe and India for the next year and a half and traveled, run out of money, got back and I got a job at the wine merchant of Beverly Hills. So that was kind of like that short process. I, at that point I was 24. I really didn't know too much about wine, but I did while I was traveling through Europe, I had a book called the world Atlas of wine. So I had all my clothes and I had the world Atlas of wine. That was everywhere. I went, I opened up that book and I traveled to an area. say I was in a small town in Germany. I would look up the book and I would find that place in the world and I would try to find wine and read about it. And so that's how I kind of started. It was every taste I wanted to match with a place, a soil, how it was made. And I really didn't know that much about wine when I got back. I had read the World Atlas of Wine, but I didn't really understand wine. And that's when the world, the, the, the world opened up to me because I worked at the Wine Merchant of Beverly Hills and I started tasting the very best wines of the world on a daily basis. Chateau Latour, Mouton, DRC, Harlan, Bond, all the great new you know, Pinot Noirs coming out of uh, Santa Barbara at the time. I remember Brewer Clifton, Longoria, uh, all of these things, Kargasaki, yeah, yeah. uh, uh, things like that. And I just remember just completely being excited for my next glass of wine. It didn't really, nothing else really mattered to me. And when I was 24, 25, most people have different focuses, but for me, it was truly learning and understanding what makes wine taste so good because it impacted me so much when I would have a great glass of wine and the pleasure that I derived from that liquid 
was so special. I really wanted to learn more about that. And, and what, what goes on in the soil? What goes on in the grapes? Where do they come from? Why, 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 why? I just wanted to know. And then at that point, I learned, I remember a guy named Anthony Anselmi walked in. He's a master sommelier today. And he was working for a, a small company. You might've heard it co- called Kermit Lynch. Oh yeah, and, of course. And, uh, and he basically blind tasted me on a Cabernet Franc from Chinon. And I called it like a Sonoma Coast Cab Franc or Cabernet Sauvignon. I can't remember. And he was like, no, this is from Chinon. And I was like, well, what's that? I had no idea. It's the most famous place for Cabernet Franc on the, in the world. And he was like, oh, well, you know, there's this thing called the Court of Master Sommeliers and there you can take the introductory course. And all of a sudden I learned about, oh, wow, like I can actually apply my passion and go towards a certification. And that's, that's when that kind of moment went off. And I took my intro course and I had so much respect for the Master Sommeliers teaching the course because they knew everything. And I was like, how does somebody know so much? And it really inspired me to try to be like them and to learn the world of wine to, to the point where, you know, every single corner of the earth and what's going on and, uh, and be able to teach the next generation. And for me, that's, that's what it's all about it. Well, I should also mention to our listeners that you're in your absolutely beautiful backyard. There is a little bit of wind coming through so that, you know, if anybody's hearing that, that's just the wind in your beautiful backyard blowing through your sandy blonde hair. You actually do <laughs> look like a tennis instructor. I have to say yeah. it's pretty cool. You know, this is my COVID hair. It's been yeah. a since I've cut it, but it's, uh, I, I promise I will get a haircut soon. My, my wife has actually been on my case about it. No worries, man. So I want to talk a little bit. Of, I want to continue on your path to becoming a master sommelier. And of course, that included your appearance in the hit movie for, I mean, it really did gain a lot of popularity some, and I will say that having just met you and, and learning your story, the one word I would use to describe your appearance in, in the movie is intense. Yes. You really were focused more than anybody else. You really were focused. And I have to say, after watching that movie, I can tell you with a hundred percent authority that I never wanted to sit for the master sommelier exam. <laughs> well, you know what? It's it's a lot of pressure. There's there's a reason why you know when I passed it in 2012, there's only there was I was 197th person ever to pass in decades. So you know, thinking there's three to five people a year that pass that exam, um, and more in Europe as well. But in America, there's only a few people a year that pass. I mean, I think the most that's ever passed was 10 or 12 in a year. And that's like a huge class. Most of the time you show up to the test and there's one, two, maybe three. The year I passed, there was actually five people that passed. And that was because every single person that passed, it was their third attempt, fourth attempt, fifth attempt. So most of the people that passed the test have been working on it not for one or two years, like the movie makes it look like, but that was like eight to 10 years of hard work that the movie only shows. Right. Um, it made it look like we only had taken the test once or twice, but all of us that passed the test, it was Brian and Dustin's second time. It was my third time when I finally passed, but the majority of the people take it either three or four times. So if you don't pass the tasting, the service and the theory, within three attempts over three years, they take away all your parts and you have to start from scratch on your fourth year. They don't tell you that. So I was facing the end of the movie was basically I had failed the blind tasting the year before because I switched my answers at the final uh, second. So Brian and Dustin passed. I ended up not making it. 
because of a bad decision last second. But then I spent the next year really focused on tasting. And uh, the hard part was that the end of the movie was not yet filmed. And I had already seen the whole movie basically with like a ending, like not yet done. And the reality was I was facing a six wine flight, 25 minutes, and that was going to be the end of the movie. So I had extra pressure because I knew the end of this movie was going to be my success or my failure. So that really wasn't fun to live with for that six month period, because obviously I sat in a movie theater, 300 people watched the movie, some, you know, saw how intense I was portrayed. And then I still had to go past the test. So that was a tough part, but I'm, I'm thankfully, I thankfully passed. Did you like the movie? Just, I'm yeah, just curious. No, Did no, you like yeah, the movie? Yeah, no, I like watching. I think it's great. I think the editing didn't do me any favors because, you know, they actually have a job to do and they have to make a movie entertaining. Right. So looking at the way they, they edited certain scenes, um, they cut out a lot of stuff that made the scene make sense from my point of view, but they wanted to make it more thrilling, which they did. They did. They did. They really did. They did do a good job. I personally enjoy the movie. If anybody, if you haven't seen it, if you're listening and you haven't seen it, I highly encourage it. And you will certainly see Ian and you will say, why did you change your answers at the last minute? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Go you with your gut. Yeah. You got to make, you, you make mistakes in life, but you know what? I'll tell you what, that mistake was, was, was a good mistake for me, for me, because how so I, cause I spent the next year learning more about tasting and really diving into the details of blind tasting. And now I've, I've, I've learned so much and spent so much time. Now I can be a better teacher. And really, that's really what it is to be a master sommelier. It's not just doing it for your own, you know, ego, like, oh, I became the best at it and passed the master sommelier exam. It's so you can share that passion with others and help other people get to that point. So if I would have taken the master's exam and passed my first attempt, um, I would have not have learned so much in the subsequent multiple years that really enabled me to, I think, become a true master sommelier versus just kept passing the test. I really wanted to feel that I truly deserved it. And I, and I did the work. So for me, that's, wow. that's, that's a really, that's a really cool answer. Uh, out of curiosity though, Ian, can you taste a wine today and not critique it? I mean, can you drink wine just for the enjoyment of drinking wine or are you always analyzing it in your head? You know, it's hard. Um, it's like a musician listening to a song. Sometimes it's for pleasure, but I think if you are a composer listening to classical music, you're always thinking about how it was made. Right. But for me, I try to simplify wine and a lot of the times I'll just taste wine, but, um, I'm so passionate about it. I'm often a little bit more, uh, more, critiquing more than enjoying sometimes, because honestly, if I'm not enjoying a glass of wine and I'm not thinking that it's the best, I'd rather just drink a cold beer just because for me, there's not a lot of wine that doesn't really excite me. And that's why some select is, is what it is today because we turn down 95% of the samples that come in. So some select is really, um, that place where I, I taste hundred to 150 wines a week and five or, you know, maybe five to 15% make it past that round. So um, I'm obviously, I'm, I'm obviously hypercritical because anything that we select for our business is going to be shipped to somebody's house and they're judging the merit of some select based on that bottle. So we're hypercritical and we only let the best through. But with that said, things that are, you know, if I'm at my sister's house for dinner and she opens up a bottle of wine that she got from the local market, 
sometimes I'm, you know, if I'm not deriving pleasure from it, I'll just find something else to drink and I'll leave it at that. I try not to criticize the wine much. Let's talk a little bit about Psalm Select. Um, What is it and why did you decide to start it? So right when I passed the master's exam at the end of the Psalm documentary, I was offered a job uh, with Krug Champagne. So the most, for me, the best champagne house in the world to this and day. And my favorite. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really, there's, it's, it's hard to beat. Um, and uh, so Krug Champagne was my passion. They offered me a job actually before, about an hour before I got my results, they offered me the job, which was really cool because they didn't care if I'd passed or not, but they're one of the greatest companies in the world. And I worked for them for about a year and I was traveling so much. I was kind of burning out a little bit. And at that time, the Psalm documentary was kind of getting released. I was traveling a lot um, for different you know, food and wine festivals and different sort of movie festivals. And one of my old friends from college saw me on stage talking and he said, Ian, you know, you're going to have a, a, a big kind of uh, ability to share your passion through different avenues. What do you think about we start a daily offer wine company? So there was a lot of companies online that were taking a given wine and offering 80% off or 60% off, right? Big discounters coming in, flash sales. So we said, why don't we turn that on its head and do a daily offer of great wine? Not just the leftover dregs of the winery of that the winery has, because it's an old wine that's past its prime to give discounts. Why don't we offer the wines that are sold by the glass and on the list at some of the best restaurants in the world? Why don't we offer those? at fair prices delivered to your door with prices included with shipping and uh, and offer great stories about it rather than saying, Hey, this wine got 91 points. It's 80% off. And we were doing backflips when we found out about it, really doing that table side experience that this is coming from this particular area in the Western Loire from organic vines that were planted in the 1890s. These are 120 year old vines that are, you know, taste like this and made this way and, you know, doing a great job, uh, with our writing team to help kind of take the essence of the wine and be able to share it with you and let you know if it's something that you might like. If it's a Napa Cabernet that might be $150 or a Muscadet from the Western Loire for 20 or a New Zealand Pinot Noir for 38. Um, we try to tell you, you know, who made it, where does it come from? Why is it good? How are they farming? Uh, what are the tasting notes? What are the food and wine pairings? We have each offer that comes into your email uh, has a specific food and wine pairing that there's a link to cook it. So that way, if you get this particular bottle of, of Beaujolais, for example, you this, here's a roast chicken from our favorite restaurant that we recommend cooking it with. And it allows you to really take the journey of the food and wine experience into your own home, especially with COVID over the last year, people have been cooking and eating and drinking at home more than ever. So um, Psalm Select has been the conduit for a lot of people to really derive a lot more pleasure from their kitchen and just the experience of cooking at home. So I would just add that, you know, the daily offer is free to sign up for. You just go to psalmselect.com and click sign up. And it's a free email that comes in every day that uh, there's a more less expensive wine in the morning that might be a 20 to $50 bottle of wine. And then there's more of a seller selection that we send out in the afternoon. So it's a great read. It's free to absorb and learn. Of course, we do charge you if you want to buy the wine. Well, of course. Well, imagine that. (laughs) You know, it sounds to me like you're a digital sommelier. It almost sounds like you're standing at my kitchen table saying, you know, hey, Scott, you may enjoy blah, blah, blah with with dinner tonight, you know, and and that's kind of a cool thing. Exactly. I mean, that's how it feels to me. 
you know, and that's what that's the goal was to take the sommelier experience home and to take the experience that you would get being in a great restaurant in Las Vegas at a two-star Michelin, for example, and having the sommelier come to the table and walk you through a particular pairing of that Madeira with that right chocolate dessert with the caramel, like, you know, and you're drinking a 1985 uh, Colita Madeira, for example, and they tell you about the history of Madeira and all of the details that go into it. I don't need to, 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 to uh, go into it right now, but there's something so uh, emotional about that experience for most people. And I think that a lot of people listening to me now have all had that experience, hopefully a positive experience with the sommelier, because most of us are good. Some of us have had negative experiences perhaps in Paris or, you know, where you were kind of <laughs> well, <laughs> not necessarily, not necessarily super happy about your experience with the sommelier, but the vast majority of people have positive experiences with the, with the sommelier because we're, we're, we're experts on food and wine and our job is to make your night better. Our job is to respect your pocketbook and to understand what you're eating and bring you the right wine. That's going to enhance your experience so you can enjoy your loved ones even more. And I think that's, if they're doing the right job, you should have a, an incredible uh, spot in your heart for that experience. And that's what we try to bring to your inbox every day is that, uh, is that a chance to kind of excite your senses and to heighten your experience in life through knowing more about what you're drinking. So I understand that you were also and I don't know if this is new or if this has been ongoing, but I also understand that you've got to build a case subscription program going on it. So we do, we do. We have a number of things going on. So, you know, we do a daily offer. We also have a number of wine clubs. We have a blind tasting kit uh, for one nine two twenty a month. Actually, six wines delivered to your house. We have the Explore Four, which is ninety nine a month plus shipping. We have the Psalm Six. We have a lot of different clubs. We have a concierge department, which we call private client services. So if you're building a house, you want to fill your cellar, you email info at somselect.com and we have a private client specialist call you and we consult with myself and him to try to fill your cellar with the best things. And then we just launched the Build-A-Case program. So the Build-A-Case program is a, is a great thing because we basically take this daily offer that comes in and it might be a $25 bottle of Beaujolais that it would be six, you know, six bottles for free shipping. The build a case model allows you for $10 a month. You basically have a live seller in the Psalm select warehouse. It allows you to order one bottle of today's Beaujolais one bottle three days from now might be a sparkling wine from Sicily. Three days later, it might be a Napa Cabernet that looks exciting. So over, you know, a 20 or 30 day period, you can build as many custom cases as you want. Um, and it's basically, you have 60 days to build your case, but most people that are members of build a case, they spend $10 a month, but you can build as many cases as you want. And it's like the best customized club because today you buy one bottle tomorrow, you buy one bottle and you get this curated selection of, you know, we send 60 offers a month, but you can pick your favorite 12 in the build a case model and have them shipped to your house as often as possible. Okay. How cool is that? I have actually never, you know, I, I know a lot about a lot of different wine clubs. I have never, ever heard anything like that. So that over a period of a month, I can pick and choose. I'll take a bottle here, two bottles there. Oh, that sounds interesting. And once exactly. I hit my 12 bottles, I've built a case. And we send out automatically. And, you know, the cool thing is our clubs are pre-selected. You know, I choose my favorite 
or, you know, the most unique six bottles out of that month. And that's what our Psalm six is, for example. So we'll send three whites, three reds, sometimes a rosé, and you don't have to actually look at your email and curate your own selection. I can do it for you. And that Psalm six is that, is that model. And that's a, that's the true club model. But I think the daily offer is so unique because you get to learn about each one of these wines and you can salivate over reading the descriptions about what it tastes like, where it came from. And it could be a 75 dollar bottle of super rare, you know, Bordeaux or Brunello de Montalcino or Barolo or Edna Rosso. And it also could be a $19 bottle of Rosé that's coming from Provence that you might want to order six bottles for the pool this summer. Um, there's a number of ways to engage with Psalm Select. And we've, over the last seven years, we just had our seven year anniversary. We've evolved and we've tried to do our best to create ways to engage with Psalm Select that that is great for everybody, whether that's the $99 four pack, or if you want to buy Lafitte Rothschild by the case from our concierge department, there's, there's ways for everyone. If you're 25 years old learning about wine, or if you're actually building a cellar in your house, there's something for everybody. Well, I, I really do try to avoid, you know, ha- making my podcast into a commercial and, and really it's supposed to just be a, a casual conversation or an interview, but I have to say that this is very unique Ian, and, and at, at the expense or, you know, with, with, at the fear of making this turn into a commercial, I, would you just tell me one more time how to, if somebody was like, for example, I am interested. <laughs> if, if I'm interested, how do I sign up for the, is there a website? What's the, yeah, what, yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, Psalm select, you can go to psalmselect.com and you can sign up for our daily emails. And if you want to actually become a build a case customer at checkout, it'll give you an option for build a case and you'll, you'll automatically be opted in and be charged $10 per month uh, to be a build a case member. If you okay, have so, any other questions, you can email info at Psalm select. They can walk you through it. Okay. But Psalm select is S O M M S E L E C T.com. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Cool. All right. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll be a new member here. Um, so before we get into my favorite part of the the podcast, the the what's in your glass, I want to ask you one more question. And and I understand because this is a big thing these days. This is a very big thing these days with global warming and everybody really kind of starting to pay a lot more attention. I understand that you guys actually focus a lot of your attention on sustainability. So yeah, that's a big from the very beginning. That's pretty much something that I was really passionate about. Is you know, bringing things that are respected in terms of the way they're grown. I think I th- we all know that conventional farming, there's a lot of carcinogenic compounds that are used in our food, especially with grain and soy in middle America. And there's only, you know, just over 97% of the world's vineyards that are farmed organically. And we really try to support people who are really eschewing any harsh chemicals that could perhaps bring harm to humans. So I think it's very important that we're farming as close to organic as possible. Of course, there's some areas in the world that are very challenging to farm completely organic, especially Western France. A lot of the coastal areas, they might need to do different things, but uh, we really want to help, you know, cultivate as much, you know, purity within the wine experience as possible, eschewing fungicides, herbicides, pesticides, and using as many natural approaches as possible, I think is the way forward for human health. Very cool. Very cool. I I applaud you and your efforts in doing that. So with all this talk of wine, I'm getting pretty thirsty. So we now have to find out what's in your glass. You know, the first thing I've poured today is a Murgo 
Rosé. It's a Metodo Classico sparkling wine. So it's a sparkling wine coming from the east slopes of Mount Etna, just across the Straits of Messina. Across from Calabria, you have this beautiful area called Mount Etna. For me, they make some of the best white wines and red wines in the world. White's normally from Caricante and red's coming from Norella Mascalese most of the time, a little bit of Norella Capuccio and some other various grapes coming around. But uh, this is a sparkling wine made mainly from Norella Mascalese. Um, There's a little bit of color, but it's beautiful kind of pale salmon pink. Uh, The wine spends a few years on its lees and is released uh, at an incredible price to where we can sell it for $29 in the store. So this is Murgo uh, Etna Rosado Metodo Classico, and it's in the store most of the year. We try to keep it around, and it's one of the best price-to-quality sparkling wines on earth. Wow. How would you describe the flavor profile on this wine? You know, it's kind of like the, the, the flavors are incredibly delicate. It has some texture. It's not quite as light in body as most champagne because it has a little bit more sunshine and warmth there. So you have a little bit more body, but the wine is incredibly fresh. You have this kind of like wild strawberry watermelon rind, a little bit of this saltiness coming from the oh. sea ocean, um, a little bit of uh, like lemon blossom, but very creamy. Uh, mid palate has this kind of slight laziness to it, but it's, it's definitely has this balance between umami and fruit, this really delicate kind of uh, mushroom kind of component on the nose and that kind of uh, almost like a strawberry croissant in a weird way. Um, if wow. you can imagine that. So yeah, Murgo makes great wine. They also have a hotel on their property um, and restaurant. I actually stayed there last time I was in Sicily and it's really, truly one of the best places to go. If, if you're looking at, traveling to europe and you haven't been to sicily i'd highly recommend going and traveling this the towns around mount etna uh and check out murgo there's there's an incredible spot infinity pool jacuzzis you're looking you're literally sitting in the pool looking at the erupting volcano and drinking sparkling wine uh it's really about as good as it gets yeah it sounds like i need an ice bucket and a hammock that's about the perfect place to 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 post up so what's in the next glass? So we there's a producer called Batic. So Batic is a producer in northeastern Italy. Uh, it's a Cabernet Franc uh, from Vipava Valley. They're technically over in the border in Slovenia, but they're right on the border. Um, this is a completely organic Cabernet Franc that's har- basically harvested in this field that the family respects the angels, quote unquote, that are there. They really think deeply about the spirits that are living there. They really want to respect the land. So they're harvesting hundred percent organically farmed grapes. They're putting it uh, into neutral barrels for aging, ending up with one of the most pure and unique expressions of Cabernet Franc in the world. So Batic, uh, Slovenian Cabernet Franc from Vipava Valley. The nose has aromatic profiles, very similar to really good Bordeaux. It's got that kind of damp, dark current, a little bit of blueberry to green tobacco leaf, uh, this like fresh violet, um, a little bit of like churned soil underbrush, um, a little bit of like a green peppercorn characteristic to it, but very light and and a little bit of spiciness on the palate. But you have something like this with braised lamb, for example, and you're just, it's perfect. I mean, Cabernet Franc, there's a reason why they blend it. It's, it's, uh, it can sometimes be great for blends with Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot, but on its own in the right place, in the right climate, with the right soils and the right respect. Um, these are old vines coming from one of the most 
kind of underknown areas of, of the wine world and Slovenia can make insanely delicious wines. Um, and you just have to give them a chance. So this is $39 retail and it'll go head to head with Bordeaux twice the price. Oh my gosh. You know, I adore Cabernet Franc. I am so glad to see that it's kind of making a resurgence around the world. Uh, and to hear about old vine Cabernet Franc from a region, quite frankly, and I've never been to, or even heard of that's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, if you look on our, it's in our store now, we, we have a unique pairing of, you know, a specific small dish of a kind of a local, uh, filled pasta. Uh, so, you know, the dish that, that we're pairing with is called Idrija Bakalka. And so every one of our offers has a unique pairing. I often from where that wine comes from. So, uh, I think that's one of the coolest parts about Psalm Select is not just the wine, and getting it to your house safely with a great story is also advising you on what to eat with it. And uh, for me, that's the big part of it. There's so many great pairings that for me, really great wine comes to alive, comes alive with the right food. Well, I love your, your wine and music analogy. I am obsessed with food and wine pairings. So in my head, I've always got a full orchestra going. Yeah. You know what? And you're always better off. Uh, you're always better off enjoying wine with a bunch of your great friends that you care about with the right food on the, on the, on the table. Or sometimes, like I always say, sometimes wine pairs great with a blue sky or, you know, wherever you might be, you don't always have to have wine with food, but often wine and food together makes everything just a little bit more complete. And you know what else is complete this podcast? You have just really been a wonderful guest today, Ian. I can't thank you enough for taking the time. And it really just such a, I know I'm gushing a little bit, just such a pleasure to get a chance to meet you and talk to you and see this other side. It's really cool. It's an honor to be here. Well, I'm, I'm glad to, uh, to be here with you today. And if you ever get out to Napa Valley, I'll take you out for a, a glass of wine and uh, be able to see why I love California so much. And um, you can tour some select with us and I can pop some great burgundy for you and uh, we can have some fun. Well, as my Southern California friends would say, dude, you're on. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, Ian. Thank you so much. Hey, I, I appreciate okay. it. Take care. That'll do it for this episode of the Vine Guy, a WTOP news podcast. The music you heard is Wishful Thinking by Dan Leibowitz, available in the YouTube audio library. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter and catch my one of the week shows every Friday on WTOP and WTOP.com. And remember, until the next time, do good, drink well.